Admiral Sharkbait. Sushi Lunch. State Capital. Ecotopia. My new associate, Mr. Jenner, when he finds out I too am a veteran officer, erupts with an effusion of back when I was a naval officer tales. He enlightens me over lunch among my fellow environmental compliance inspectors to an obscure uniformed service branch called the NOAA Commissioned Officer Corps. The NOAA Corps is composed of scientific naval officers within the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Hierarchy. They trace their roots to the U.S. Coast Survey formed in 1807 by President Thomas Jefferson. Old scientific maritime gang in charge of mapping coasts and floating around in boats, measuring things at sea, I suppose. Why didn't anybody tell me about this before? I demand to know, irritated over the failure of my four-year journey to get into a military uniform and apply my PhD to good use, settling for the Army as an environmental science officer for three years instead. Seven years wasted. With your credentials, you would have been ideal. I smolder. Oh well, I wouldn't be sitting here with you good people if I'd known about the NOAA Corps. That's right, they all jubilate. We're gathered together for sushi lunch as a crew of a half dozen environmental professionals in service to the state of Ecotopia, enjoying a break from a three-day intensive workshop on how to inspect businesses' pollution permits. What are we doing for the practical exercise this afternoon? One of my associate environmental compliance inspectors in training wants to know. It's a mock inspection of a shark canning plant, someone answers. Oh, no! One of the ecotopians is distressed, covering her ears and squeezing her eyes shut, as if to ward away the horror. Mr. Jenner, a former military man and hazardous waste facility manager in the civilian sector, numbed by seeing so many things so wrong for so long, can't help himself. Oh, yeah. I remember seeing fishing vessels loaded up with nothing but shark fins. Sliced them off and threw back the shark still alive. Name of the game with Asian delicacies. Shark fin soup. Poor Miss Glastier muffles a shriek to maintain her professional decorum. But inside, the self-proclaimed rabid environmentalist is quaking. She tries to get the conversation to go somewhere. Anywhere besides sharks. But it is too late. Mr. Jenner's eyes darken as suppressed memories upwell from a terrible past, like that scene in the ship's cabin in Jaws, when the captain remembers that tragic night when the ship went down, and everybody but him got eaten alive. There we were on the equator, engines shut down, just floating. With all the septic and kitchen waste going overboard, the sharks were everywhere, hundreds of them. Bored most of the time, leaning my chin on the rail, staring down, I could see a hundred feet through the water. They were at all levels, just gliding. I dropped my half-eaten hot dog. The frenzy was horrible. I guess you didn't get in the water, someone surmises. No, even though it was 102 degrees Fahrenheit in that broken-down ship, day and night, with the A.C. busted. If we wanted to swim, we'd hit the engines at top speed, which wasn't much, to get a couple of nautical miles away. We'd have 30 minutes of swim leave before we were surrounded again, even without discharging anything. This ship was like blood. We all shudder. One woman, not on our ship, but some other research vessel, got bit off at the knees. 
I go for another bite of sushi while listening with inappropriate fascination, while my associate ecotopians rightfully cringe as he relays what the research scientists would do to the sharks when they were bored. We put a hot dog on a hook and slowly lower it down towards the surface. As it got close, BAM! They were on it like piranhas. Then we'd yank one up and land it on the deck. Do you know how dangerous a thrashing, snapping shark is? Mr. Jenner is rather animated recounting his past service aboard this particular scientific research vessel. Apparently, it wasn't fit to float. Coast Guard inspections documented over a hundred violations, but since it was NOAA, they were exempt. The first admiral piped up. He got canned. The second admiral shut up. The executive officer just stayed down below in his quarters drinking. Meanwhile, the whole ship creaked and moaned as the shards circled. Since Mr. Jenner was the safety officer, he attempted one day to exercise a fire drill. He went around to each fire hose to test them. The first one he tried, as soon as he pulled back hard on the stiff armature to open it up, blew off with a sudden pressure release. Entire fixture flew off into the ocean. He was left with a depressurized open hose. Drip. Drop. He went on to the next fire hose. Repeat performance. By the end of his exercise, he'd blown all the fixtures off all his hoses into the sea. There they floated, on the equator, a six-day medivac flight from anywhere with no fire suppression system, surrounded by sharks. Even if there were a fire, there was no ship-loading distribution diagrams to tell me how much water that sector the ship could take. If I jumped too much, the whole ship could keel over. Into the shark-infested waters, I point out. Yes! He's getting more riled up remembering it all. It got so bad he ultimately resigned his commission. But the Admiral wanted to keep it all under wraps to protect his career, so he declined to honor the resignation for another six months. Mr. Jenner was stuck on the ship of doom with his Admiralship and the swarming sharks. As an officer, he was on duty night and day, so no drinking, a relief the scientists employed nightly to alleviate stress, among other forms of thrill-seeking escapism. They liked to play dunk the dip. There were two long ship arms to the port and starboard that, when fully deployed, went out at 90 degrees. From one, they would rig a sling and sit in it with their feet dangling. When the ship was level, they were out of the water, but when it rolled with the waves, they dropped down into the ocean. For about 30 seconds, this idiot scientist would be bobbing there, submerged to the waist, before the ship would roll the other way and yank him back up. I just stood there, watching over the railing. I couldn't believe they were actually doing this. In the shark-infested waters, I point out again. Yes! Did they know about the lady who got bit off at the knees? No, though that would have just added to the thrill, I imagine. I couldn't keep my mouth shut about the ship's condition. I was about to incite a mutiny, so the Admiral finally let me go. When I got back, I made sure that ship was decommissioned. I considered his tale before remarking... Come to think of it, I don't think the Noah Corps would have been good for me after all. The army was shark-infested, but at least I was on dry land where I could buy booze when nobody was looking. It wasn't all bad, but I did have to get out. And that's not good to let a disgruntled officer out. They're not going to encourage anyone to go in. I know! I did enjoy getting stationed in Alaska, though. You know I saw the Valdez oil spill from a commercial aircraft that happened to be flying over? No way. Yeah, the pilot informed us and tipped the wings in each direction so we could get a good look at the huge plume spreading out into the Prince William Sound. 
I thought, oh shit, I hope they don't blame us for running aground into something we didn't chart right. That had happened the year before. Crap. Yeah, those were exciting times, Alaska. After the cleanup, a senator came to town. They sent me out to catch halibut from the Sound to have for dinner with the senator to showcase the success of, of the operation. We couldn't get any. The starved orca devoured the ones that took our bait. Had a mile-long drag with baited hooks every 20 feet. All we pulled up were halibut jaws. The killer whales had made off with the rest. So much for that operation. Yeah. You know, the Admiral had actually sent me there as punishment. You too. But I had a great time. Same here. Boss crowed over getting me sent away. But I had a blast. Where were you? Fairbanks? Oh, he would be proud of that. That's in the middle of subarctic nowhere. Yeah, but it beat the office confined to a cubicle with West Pointers out to get me. By now we're walking back up the hill to the Ministry of Ecology, Mini-Eco, to resume our inspector training. Out to get you, I know all about that. I had all my paperwork in and approved to get a new assignment at Stanford, working with all the latest geotechnical investigation instruments and the fastest supercomputer on the planet. Three days before I was supposed to go, the Admiral changed my assignment to Norfolk, armpit of the Naval Services. Why? I was a third-generation officer. He didn't want to be accused of favoritism, so he consistently did the opposite. So what did you do? I took a dinghy out that afternoon with the light crew and said, See that point? We're going around that. There's bar there. We're going to get pissed drunk. So we did. That's about how I dealt with my asshole bosses. Yeah, had to get out after eight years. I only lasted three. And with that, we disgruntled veterans are bonded, undercover mutineer allies within the bureaucracy of the Overlord. Our group is back at Mini-Eco, the gray monolithic building emerging from a surrounding evergreen forest like the architecture from the forested moon of Endor in The Empire Strikes Back. But we can't get in the building since the rabid environmentalist bureaucrat led us around back to enter through some random door using our infrared ID badges. Going in the front doors for visitors or naive new FTEs. Full-time employees, which I will learn are somehow partially allocated in state budgets by halves. Consequently, our gaggle of a half-dozen cool cat bureaucrats attempts multiple points of ingress that appear only meant for egress, escape and no entry. We wave through the enormous plate glass windows for some civil servant from inside to please let us in. I sing to the group like a kid playing jump rope. How many bureaucrats does it take? One hop, two hop, three hop, floor. At last, one of the thousand FTEs within the structure recognizes us and lets us in, grinning ear to state-funded ear. We file in sheepishly to return to our training event. Therein, within a darkened chamber, representatives from the Federal Environmental Pollution Agency continue their indoctrination program.